Hello Rescuers, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Diary. This episode pretty much follows on from the last one, DM Story number 9. I basically cut that short because I'd run out of time. And during that episode, I said something very interesting. And I just wanted to make sure that I carried it all the way through. What was it I said? And um, yeah, there's a lot for me to think about there, a lot for me to work through. And I think I'm going to learn quite a lot from another project that I want to talk about a little bit later in this episode as well. Things he won't share with us, the darkness in his brain, the dungeon master's plan, the pleasure and the pain. What's better left unknown, keep calling out to me. I hear him think out loud, to die. My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. I started watching The Man in the High Castle Season 4, um, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before. Um, and this immediately reminded me of... Um, Reich 5 from GURPS Infinite Worlds. And so last night, yeah, it was two days ago, uh, last night I sat down and I just pulled that bit from GURPS Infinite World and started reading the, you know, section on Reich 5. So that essentially is a alternate um, history in which, obviously, first thing is that Reich managed to win the war. Um, and it's it's quite interestingly written. It's it's quite effective. I think it's Ken Height's work um, along with others. Um, but what's really neat is that Reich Five uh, has begun to develop parachronic technology and is has essentially been testing on um, what are called jumpers within within GURPS. People who are able to transport themselves between realities, between alternate Earths, if you like. And um, this just reminded me of uh, one of the themes at the end of uh, Man of High Castle Season 3, which is just absolutely brilliant. So I hope I haven't spoiled anything for people, but I do figure that, you know, Man of High Castle's been out a good couple, two, three years now. So I'm guessing you know a little bit of the premise. Um, anyway, it really got me thinking about um, Infinite Worlds, and I kind of like that. I like the idea of that setting. I like the um, so a lot of the details of that setting actually are quite cool. Um, and of course, you know, alternate world stuff has always been something I've enjoyed. So I don't know, I don't know how I, uh, what I'm doing with that, if anything, but it was just something that I enjoyed and I enjoyed reading again and realizing that such a rich gaming kind of opportunity there really. And of course, you know, it being GURPS, it is deliberately multi-genre as a game system. It is a generic universal game system. So essentially, it, it plays to those strengths. It allows you to, you know, have a game where you're using all of the, um, uh, I suppose, all of the options in the sense of the types of game you can play. I don't mean in all of the options that are in the game because, you know, those are countless. I guess it's using the core stuff in the basic set really effectively. You know, you can have um, essentially... Everything apart from magic, really, no problem. And in the infinite world setting, actually does have magical worlds too, if you want them. Um, so yeah, it's it's all in. 
anyway, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed reading that. Um, and yeah, I, I just wanted to say so, I guess. I just wanted to sort of record that thought and, and, and hold on to it, I guess. Hmm, good stuff. It's Friday morning and I realised that I hadn't recorded anything for a few days, so I thought I'd better give you a bit of an update. I've been fiddling around with fighting fantasy, actually. I found my copy of Dungeoneer, which is the advanced fighting fantasy rulebook from 1989, I think. And there's a considerable nostalgia around that particular book for me because 1989 is the year that I went to university. And I remember getting Advanced Fighting Fantasy and being very excited about that game and taking it with me to university. And in the first few months, I know that I played it um, solo. I know that I actually kind of worked my way through the adventures that are in there on my own um, with multiple characters. Uh, this memory had kind of been lost until I was listening to Dave Aldridge talk about it and then I found my book and it's kind of like bubbled up some memories. So that was kind of cool. I also have somewhere out of the pit the monster book and I also have Titan somewhere which is a little bit of a uh, cool um, part of the collection. Uh, recently I bought Black Sand which I never saw in the original I, I suppose because I went to university and I just didn't have the money or the time particularly to go shopping and I'm doubting that very much in Pontypridd in the depths of South Wales there was much in the way of a game store I certainly don't remember there being one um, I don't even remember particularly looking for one because the town is so small that you know I think I would have noticed and even going to Cardiff I don't remember there being much in the way of game stores back in 1989 through to 92 we didn't go to Cardiff very often anyway the only reason we'd go there is to go to Pizza Hut to have dessert back when chocolate fudge sundays were a thing you remember those days anyway found my copy um now i also have the original fighting fantasy book um and again that's misplaced but then some other cool things have happened so my friend of mine tim meagling has offered to send me his copy of the original out of the pit the one that goes with fighting fantasy and I've also managed to find uh, another copy of uh, Advanced Fighting Fantasy, which is in the post to me. Sorry, of Fighting Fantasy, which is in the post to me. And also a copy of Titan, the original uh, edition of Titan, which I'm quite happy to have those original editions because uh, it kind of completes my collection. So the only book I don't have is Alansia because I also have the Riddling Reaver. Um, and I'm quite excited because another thing that's happened is that... Uh, Paris, Conte, and uh, Frank Turfler and I, we've been using an app called Telegram, to, and we communicate a lot. It's how we kind of pl plot and plan various things that we're doing. We've been talking about a new Three Voices episode, which is kind of um, proving a little bit difficult simply because of like people's schedules. Um, and basically, Frank and, and Paris especially have been having a pretty torrid time over the last few weeks. And it looks like um, they're not going to be able to do a lot in the way of podcasting. But... Frank has actually suggested that we are, we have a really good opportunity. We were talking a lot about the benefits of RPGs, and um, one of those is as a kind of, I, I guess, as a bit of a respite to like your schedule. And uh, Frank said, hey, you know, maybe we should practice what we preach in game. So we've just been talking in the last 24 hours about doing some gaming. Paris has suggested rather intriguingly using Telegram, um, to actually play a game. Now, Telegram has sort of three things. It's a sort of text chat, 
Uh, so you can type stuff. You can also record audio clips, which is great, especially if you're a podcaster. Um, and you can also record video clips, uh, short video clips. And what the suggestion is that we actually use short video clips. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a game, uh, you know, grab your phone, record your quick video clip, which is obviously quicker than typing even. Um, and what I suggested was, you know, if we're going to roll dice, we can video rolling them so people can see this, kind of have that near table experience, really. It's what we were looking for. Um, <laughs> that's a good phrase, isn't it? Near table experience. It just kind of popped into my head. Sorry if I do blow my own trumpet on it. Um, but anyway, yeah, and we thought we might use that and just see how we go. Because, you know, five minutes in a day, just kind of responding to, um, you know, people's res uh, kind of moves, if you like, within the game, if I can use that term, uh, is really, really straightforward. And as long as we have a slow pace, as long as we don't expect much more than, say, one response in a day, I think it's very doable. And then that's led to, I mean, I've just suggested, why don't we have a go at playing fighting fantasy? So there's now a discussion going on about whether we should use original fighting fantasy dungeoneer or botley uh, grand botley's um advanced fighting fantasy um and personally i'm rooting for just trying the original maybe working through them um, and just seeing how they play but certainly trying the original so we'll see how that pans out or if that pans out i mean but i'm quite excited about that idea and yes i'm aware that that's me drifting a little bit from my gurp space but um hey you know the guys are kind of need a game and it would be very easy and um, if I GM um, I can use the pre-written adventures that are in those books and just you know it can just be a kind of a bit of a laugh really so we'll see how it pans out I had this really interesting back and forth today with Dave Aldridge of um, Deep Percentile Podcast just asking his uh, advice over using fighting fantasy and advanced fighting fantasy the original game books that I had, back in the day, I had the first one in about 82, 83. Um, I had played the game books um, from the early 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, I, I think, you know, I has certainly had the Warlock of Firetop Mountain when it was the only one out. Um, at least the only one out I knew about, anyway. Um, and I remember, like uh, Spike Pit did, of kind of getting these, uh, the round robin of book buying in the school and the Fighting Fantasy books being on that list. And I, I managed to con mum and dad into buying me, I think, the first seven or so. But anyway, I, uh, and I still have those books around, but, you know, our house being the chaos that it is and the amount of books and tomes and games and stuff we have everywhere that aren't organised on the shelves, it's impossible to find all of them. And, um, and I just had this crazy thing today. I, talking to... Um, Frank about playing um, some fighting fantasy using Telegram has been dead exciting. That led me on to sort of getting hold of uh, various kind of bits and bobs. I've got a friend of mine, Tim, sending me the Out of the Pit book, which is dead exciting. I found um, a first edition copy of that and a first edition copy of Titan, the A4 versions of those, which are coming my way. Um, and I'm dead excited. And I just gone and bought myself a little box set of six fighting fantasy books because I kind of thought, you know what? I don't mind sitting there of an afternoon or an evening in bed kind of half reading half playing a game you know playing solo i like that stuff so oh what is it i've gone back to my roots almost because i remember being so excited about these games especially when i didn't have anyone to play with they kind of got me over when i was a kid they got me through so many days and nights when i couldn't get together with my mates before we were away on holiday somewhere with my parents you know it was a miserable thing of dream dragged around wherever they wanted to go and i could just play my final fantasy game book which I loved. I and mean, when the role-playing game came out, obviously I knew about role-playing games, so that was just dead exciting. It was a really simple game. I think we tend to look down our nose at it 
as in our group, our group wanted to play much more complicated games, but you know, it, it was always exciting. And when I went to uni in 89, I took Dungeoneer with me and I might have mucked about with it. I certainly played some solo stuff with it. Um, and I, and just pulling Dungeoneer off the shelf a, a couple of days ago and looking at it over the last two days, it's just been really reigniting my excitement. And I was listening to The Purple Worm, I think it's episode six or seven, when they were talking about the dark side of AFF, it's that titled. And they were talking about the difference in tone between that book, The Dungeoneer, and so much stuff. And they're really comparing it to the new Graham Botley uh, AFR's Fighting Fantasy and being quite scathing. But the reality is that so many games are written in that dry style, that textbook style, that actually Fighting Fantasy never did. It really was quite exciting. And that's got me thinking about how I want to present my own games. And it's got me thinking about my own Dungeons of Thrall and I kind of want to make it more fine fantasy uh, in tone. The British fa- the British fantasy in tone that isn't, uh, but less po-faced, a little bit more wide-eyed and wonderful, really. And that's been great. I'm just really, really excited by that. And it's kind of reignited my, my interest in fantasy gaming that had kind of drifted a bit in the last couple of weeks. So I'm... Oh yeah, I'm just strangely invigorated, strangely interested, very engaged. I uh, don't know if it'll last, but it's just a wonderful, wonderful feeling all of a sudden. I've had a really rubbish day. I've been a terrible week at work. Uh, so many stressy things going on this half term. And yet, rise above it all, really, with my hobby. You know, really enjoying that. Just want to go and play one. Kind of can't wait for the, the game books to arrive, which I think will be Sunday. But yeah... What is going on here? There's an aside thought, you know, there's a side thought that I realised that, um, over the last few days I realised that kind of gaming um, has a kind of spectrum. I think there are a variety of different spectra that you could look at. Um, But I I look at spectrum of, uh, you know, complexity of game rules, I suppose, from sort of fighting fantasy for me is it one nearer one end, one extreme really, uh, with you know only really three or four key stats, the original Final Fantasy, uh, well three really, isn't it? It's um, skill and stamina and luck, yeah, um, and that was everything. That level, all the way through the sort of games that um, <laughs> you know some people would probably roll their eyes at. Aftermath is probably the most complex game I think I've tackled in terms of. Yeah. I suspect anyway, it felt that way at the time, but up there at that end, you know, there are, there are so many games that I really enjoyed, but like, they're just like too much effort. I tend towards that end though. I'm in the spectrum. My mid, my most comfortable zone is a fair level of complexity because I like the challenge of, uh, and I like the detail, if you like, that I can make of a character and the definition I can get with a character that comes from that level of um of detail uh, which i just i think i just repeat myself <laughs> in a circular kind of way never mind but actually there's I, i'm beginning i think to re i uh, really understand in a way i pr- perhaps haven't truly internalized the appeal of stripping like the layers and relying more on the the fiction and less on the mechanic. Um, and Final Fantasy does that really well. There's a lot of fiction, and the mechanics are incredibly basic and simple in comparison with other things. Um, and yeah, this is this is thing of a spectrum. And I kind of, I don't know, I'm happy to go and explore that end a bit more. Um, 
But I also understand there's another spectrum, which I've kind of come to understand over the last few weeks, of of like how much investment you want in the game over a period of time. I don't know how better to explain that, really. Like the idea that, again, there are a lot of people who really, really enjoy one-shot games. They're going to play a game session, a one or maybe one or two or three sessions or just a few sessions, a really finite amount of time, and that's fine. And they're going to play lots of games. And they like to play lots of different games and try lots of different things and experience lots of different settings and worlds, and that is fine. Um, and that's the, that's their hobby. Their hobby is jumping from game to game, system to system, to world to world, and trying things out and excited and, and just, you know, really all that variety, masses of variety, loads of variety. I'll, I'll play this game and, and maybe within a day someone might play two or three different games in different worlds and different... Yeah, and, and they're happy at that that kind of... I'm just going to play one shots all the time or almost all the time. Then there's a spectrum along like where we play kind of mini campaigns. It might be six to 12 weeks or something like that where we're playing and then we're moving on. Um, I, again, I'm up the, um, and there's another end, which is kind of like, I'm going to play one game in one world and we're never going to play anything else. And I am going to run that session forever and ever and ever. The people who are playing 40 year campaigns and who rarely play anything else. Um, these people exist, you know, there aren't many of them, I suspect, but they exist. And then and I've kind of, again, I err up that end. I want to have, I want to build a campaign that's going to have legs and last for a while. And I never achieve it. And I'm kind of asking myself, why do you want to go there? Why does that matter so much to you? You know, why, why can't you be happy down the, bouncing around a little bit more in the, in the pool of, hey, playing games. And now I could choose to do that with one system. I could choose to play in lots of mini an adventure in a, in a setting with the same game system, my GURPS game system I'm coming to love and I'm wanting to develop. Well, it doesn't stop me jumping around settings, for example, without changing the system. Um, or again, you know, what's wrong with having a world and trying it with different systems and seeing if that makes um, any difference? I mean, it will make a difference, I believe, but, you know, what would that feel like? And, I'm, and again, I'm excited by that possibility. Um, I guess what's happening is that I'm becoming more aware of the variety of hobby out there through all these different people that I'm interacting with through the podcast and, 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 you know, and all of that. And I'm not interacting as much as I could, let's be honest. Um, and part of it's intimidating to me. Part of it's scary because I don't want to do things differently. I like the way I like my comfort zone, but actually I'm starting to come out of that zone a bit. And I think I just want to say thanks to people like Dave, who's been patient with me, Dave Aldridge and to people like, Colin Spike Pitt Green, who'd been patient and encouraging me in this way, and, and Ray Otis, and I guess Jason Connolly, who's not nudged me along. Um, um, weirdly, I used to do this jumping about because I was never satisfied with anything. And so I've tended to judge people to jump about as being like I was, never satisfied with anything. But I think there are people who are very satisfied with what they're doing, very comfortable with what they're doing, jumping about. And there's nothing wrong with it. And and I have to come to accept that. And I guess I wanted longevity. I have this vision and dream of, you know, having this campaign that would last forever and ever, or at least, you know, would be really deep and really rich and really... And, and I'm kind of asking myself, why are you trying to do that? Why are you trying to force that? Um, I don't know, honestly. But I have that vision and that dream and I want it. I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever, but hey, I've said it now. 
Hey, Che. Cheers for the call. I'm, gl- I'm glad you're enjoying it. Hey, the funny thing, <laughs> it's only yesterday, I think, I was driving home in the car thinking, oh, I haven't got around to doing anything for Savin- Savage Worlds Atlantis. Um, maybe I'll suggest, I'm all about fight and fancy, maybe I'll suggest to Che we'll do some kind of fight and fancy hack. You could just, um, you know, just use Troika, but do different classes. I was thinking, no, Che would never go for that. <laughs> it's all about GURPS at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you're um, enjoying the rules like I know what we're going to get though next surely we're going to get your conversion of Island of the Lizard King for GURPS Dungeon Fantasy I mean surely <laughs> I'll catch you soon Che cheers for the call mate so a call there from Dave Aldridge of the percentile which is really the tail end of a big back and forth that I mentioned we were having today and um I wanted to share it because I think it's just unlocked something amazing. So following that, uh, Dave gave me a call on Discord, and we've just been talking about that thing he just talked about. Savage Atlantis has morphed, and we're going to be doing Fighting Fantasy Atlantis. And if you're not sure what we're talking about, what we're talking about here is taking Palladium Rifts Atlantis, that source book, and hacking... Fighting Fantasy to run that module or that setting um, to take the richness of that world, uh, mash up some character classes, Troika style, I guess, and then play that game using Fighting Fantasy. And oh, yeah, I'm excited about that. That's really, really cool. Uh, so I'm really hoping that Dave gets on my Discord. We've made a space on my Discord where we had a little chat. And when I say my Discord, I mean the Roleplay Rescue Discord. Um, there is an FF Atlantis room in there. Now, anyone can go and look. Uh, only Dave and I, I think, can kind of post in there right now. But you can read what we're doing, nothing as of tonight. But, you know, the, the plan is that we're going to like use that as our, as our discussion space. And um, I think step one is to start working on some, you know, turning some occupational character classes from Palladium's Rifts into Fine Fantasy um, classes you know uh there's a little bit of an explanation that probably needs to come there but we'll we'll do that online um and i'm just excited by that so dave thanks for calling that in and you know i find it funny that you thought that i i would not want to do this idea and you know i you're probably right a few weeks ago i certainly i possibly wouldn't have wanted to i wouldn't have been interested but you have arrived at this point and it's just a lovely convergence for me i know you've been busy that's why we've kind of put it on the back burner i've I've actually been quite intimidated by Savage Worlds, and um, suddenly I'm, I'm sort of feel like it's just unlocking something. Oh, and yeah, um, it, one of the books I've got on its way from Amazon, I got this little pack of six fighting fantasy books. I think I mentioned it earlier in the in the podcast today. Um, one of them is the Island of the Lizard King, and so yeah, I guess I could convert that to GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, couldn't I? <laughs> Game on, man. Game on.